Amen. I want to get you to start in uh, Luke chapter 9 this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about embracing Christ. Verses 57 through 62 of Luke chapter 9. And it begins, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one, has, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Bow with me, please. Father God, as we get into your word, I just pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, move on us, Father God, that we would seek to not only understand but to receive what you're saying to us, Father God, in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. The subheading for this passage is the cost of following Jesus in my Bible. But I want to hone down. I want to. I want to hone down. Uh, starting off in verse 59, let's skip on down. When he said to one man, "Follow me," Jesus said to this individual, "Follow me." The Master, the Lord, Jesus Christ said to this man, "Follow me." And this man said, "Lord." First, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to something to him that seems insensitive. It seems to contradict what God's word says in other parts of scripture. Or we're to honor our father and mother. But there's a little bit of a, different, a difference here. It's not really a contradiction. Jesus said, follow me, commit yourself to me, embrace me, embrace my vision for your life, follow me, walk according to the kingdom. And Jesus, and, and this man said, okay, I'll follow you, Lord, just let me first bury my father. And Jesus like, let the dead bury their own dead. What you need to do is go declare the kingdom of God. Now, I don't believe Jesus is saying, hey, forget your father. Let him die. Let other people deal with him. I believe Jesus has given him perspective. Because the same Jesus that said that also said, you know, Jesus also said, uh, hey, I've come to, I've come to, uh, to bring your sword. I've come to bring the vision. Father and mother. Father and son, mother and daughter, brother and sister, brother to brother. There, I, I, I come to be a distinction. There is heaven and there is hell. 
There is the kingdom of heaven. There is the kingdom of darkness. There is following me and there is turning back. And you honor your father and you honor your mother. And you do the things that you know that are right. But you do that in perspective as you are walking out what God has marked out for you in your life. It can't be something that takes precedence in our lives and we try to work Jesus in conveniently when we can. I'll follow you, Lord, but first. I'll go there with you, Lord, after. That's what he's addressing in this passage. He's saying, don't just embrace salvation. Don't just embrace the cool things about God. I want you to embrace me in my totality. I want you to embrace salvation in its, in its entirety. I want you to embrace discipleship. I want you embracing, I want you to embrace walking in the kingdom. Don't use anything, no matter how good and how right it sounds, as an excuse to put it off. Does that make sense? So it may have looked insensitive, but it was right. Still another, verse 61. I will follow you, Lord. This is, Jesus asked the first person. This person came up and just volunteered. I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says something that's really kind of the crux of what I want to talk about today. No one, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He didn't say that you wouldn't be saved. He didn't say that you won't be a Christian. What he's saying is, if you want the kingdom of God manifested in your life, if you want the God kind of life, if you want the kingdom of heaven, wherever you are, it's going to cost you something. It's like a man, it's interesting the way he put it, no man putting hand to the plow. So you're beginning, you put your hand to the plow, you have determined you're about to do work, right? I'm about to be about the father's business. And there has to be a resoluteness. There has to be a single-minded of purpose. I am, I am determined to complete the task for which my father called me. And, when you, and you've got to put both hands on the plow. Now, I don't profess to be a farmer. Some of y'all might be able to do a better picture, but all, I, I can just do what I do, you know. Now, he's going to put both hands to the plow. You've got to do it. It's hard work. It's digging into the ground. It's plowing up the ground. You're getting ready to plant. You can't do that with one hand, and you can't do it good. You can't keep things straight and look back at the same time. I can't be having my mind back on things I was doing before I started the task and do my best at the task. I'm double-minded. My commitment is split. I, I can't be halfway in it. I've got to be all the way committed. I've got to fully embrace 
the master, fully embrace him as Lord. Not just as Savior, but I got to fully embrace him as Lord. And when he says go, that means go. When he says put your hand to the plow, that means put your hand to the plow. There's no waiting. If I do that at my job enough, I, I won't have my job anymore. I want you to, you know, Cornell, I want you to, I, I want you to do so many reviews this week. I want you to start on Monday. I want you to get two done on Monday. Okay, boss, yeah, uh, I'll do it, but uh, I'm going to have to do this first. Maybe I can start it on Thursday. You say that to the boss enough, pretty soon you don't have a boss. At some point, we have got to resolve within ourselves Despite fears, despite other things that we have going on in our lives, when Jesus says do, that means do. Right away. All the way with the happy heart. The collectors, we <laughs> any growing kid God's way parent knows that, that right away, all the way with a happy heart and a yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. But we need to give him a yes, Jesus, and go about his business. These things were not bad things, wanting to bury your father. It wasn't bad, it wasn't bad to want to say goodbye to his family. But Jesus wanted to give him perspective, the things that pertain to the kingdom of heaven come first. It has to come first if you're going to align everything in your life according to the will and way and word of God. It has to take preeminence. It has to be the overarching truth that everything in your life syncs up with. Amen? I always end up somehow, some way referring back to them, but the children of Israel ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. According to the text today, because they were busy looking back. The promise of God lay before them, and it was a journey that should have taken days. But it took 40 years. Why? Because the Israelites only had one hand on the plow. And the other hand, they were using to shield their eyes as they were looking back to the life that they had left behind. Think about that. The other hand was not on the plow. And that's the problem for man when it comes to walking with Almighty God. Being less than fully committed to following the Lord. Following him into the unfamiliar. Into the unknown. Into the uncomfortable. What caused that in the Israelites? Because... I, 
for a long time, I couldn't get my mind around it. I was very critical of the Israelites until I became the Israelites over and over and over and over again in my walk with the Lord. I began to see them in me. I began to see their journey from Egypt to the wilderness on their way to the promised land as a type of my walk with the Lord. What stopped them, many of them, from being able to to make it to the land of promise, to fulfilling God's will for their lives? I so appreciated Greg's message uh, that, he, that he administered those two weeks about the soul, spirit, you know, delineating all that. Because basically when you break it down, soul ties with the world. Soul ties is what kept the Israelites from walking in the fullness of what God had for them. And that's the same problem that plagues us today. There are things that we wanted to be saved out of. There are things that we didn't. There are things about our life we didn't like too much. There were things we liked pretty good. I know I would fail the grammar test on that. My homeschooling wife here take me to task on my broken English. You know, that's the problem. In that life, we're in bondage to sin and death. And yet, when, we, when God brings us out of that life and we begin our walk with him, there are still unsettled things. There are things that still want to tug at us and want to fight for the affection of our heart. And we're going to have to deal with those things in order to fully embrace Christ, in order to fully embrace God's will and God's vision for our lives. Amen? Because if we don't, we'll continue to have one hand on the plow and one hand in mess that it shouldn't be in. And the result, the same as Israel. A journey that should have taken days took 40 years and a whole generation had to die in the wilderness in order for God's ultimate will to be made a reality in that nation. Think about that. And then bring it to personal application. And the same thing is true. All of us are on our walk. We're headed toward what God has for us. How long is it going to take us to get where God wants to take us? It's going to depend on us. It's going to depend on whether or not we're willing to break, clean break from those ties to the life that we left behind. And fully go all in with Jesus. To the extent that we're willing to do that will determine how far we go in our walk with God. I didn't say it determined whether or not you would be saved or not. Your salvation is secure in the Lord. 
But he didn't just call us to be saved. Amen? What did he say? He wanted us to make disciples. Amen? He wanted us to go into a lost and dying world and and manifest the kingdom, to be a light in our generation. Amen? He wanted us to proclaim the gospel because the word of God says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. That's the heart of our God. You know, and we can mess around with those soul ties, halfway committed, halfway in it, halfway out, and not really get anywhere and wander in the wilderness to the benefit of no one. But we can say, Lord, I forget those things that are behind me. I forget all my reasons and, and, and all my excuses for why I can't do this and why I can't do that and why I can't talk to these people and, and why I can't outreach and, 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 and why I can't do what I know in my heart you're calling me to do. All these things are competing with you for this. Soul ties with our own life, our old life. But the children of Israel were literally brought out of the darkness of Egyptian bondage by the hand of Almighty God. God placed them on a path toward the place of promise. Yet though they made some progress on their journey with God, their souls were still tied to some of the things they left behind. Just think about old gods, old understanding, old desires, old tastes, old ways of doing things, old understandings, all competed with God for the affection of Israel's heart. Israel couldn't make up their mind who to give their heart to, so they flirted a little with all those things, including God. And we have a very visual example of where that will get you with Israel. Even Paul says they're an example for us. But because they chose to flirt... With a lot of things. As a result, they halted their own progress in the Lord. Those giants in the promised land didn't halt their progress. God didn't halt their progress. They halted their own progress. Flirting with, flirting with so many things, they didn't go all in with God. As a matter of fact, they even convinced themselves that God wanted to kill them. That's how twisted, that's how demented our thought process can be when we're not all in with God. Why would they do those things? They weren't all in. How many of you are familiar with poker? 
Oh, we got a, all right, that's some spiritual poker, the game of poker. <laughs> sometimes you have all aces and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you play your hand and sometimes you play the person who you feel like you got a good read on. But whatever the reason is, when you go all in, <laughs> there's no turning back. <laughs> when you go all in, you know, you're either going to you're either going to double up or you're going to go bust. Right? That's why people don't do it very often. Because if you go all in, the fear is, what if I go bust? If I go bust, <laughs> it's all over. I'm out of the game. I have no chance of winning. And that fear overcomes us in our walk with the Lord. You know, we need to go all in. And it should be easy because the game has already been won. You know, so we have reason to have faith, to have every bit of faith that we've got the winning hand. But it's something about going all in. That overwhelms us. That strikes fear in our hearts. And hinders our ability to fully accomplish God's will for our lives. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'll start at verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he, ha- thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But, everybody say but. I had all this going for me. I'm a pretty big deal. But, say it again. But, hallelujah. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power 
of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead now i'm going to read a few more verses that verses that now not that i have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but i press on say press on I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. Everybody say forget. Forgetting what is behind me. And straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, when I was reading this passage, you know what the Lord showed me in this passage? I believe he spoke to me very clearly and he said, there's a difference between embracing salvation and fully embracing Christ. Not that salvation is bad. <laughs> it, you know, it doesn't get any better than salvation in the Lord. But like I said earlier, it's not about just getting yours. It's about answering the call of God and the purpose of God on your life and doing to the best of your ability what God created you and brought you into this generation, this time to do. It's manifesting the kingdom of God, not only in your life, but in your, in your home. In, in, in your neighborhood, in, in your community, uh, in your city, in your country, wherever God plants you. Paul said he gave up everything, his ego, his self-sufficiency. His personal credentials, and yes, even his national pride, to embrace Christ and to be embraced by him. Paul knew his salvation was secure. He was even taken up to the third heaven and seeing things unspeakable. Paul is not pressing forward to gain more security in his salvation. He's not doing it to feel better about placing his faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul considered everything that defined him, everything that held value to him before he came to know Christ. Paul considered it all trash, crap, compared to the surpassing greatness of of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
That's the attitude. That, that's the mentality we, we, we should be striving for. That's the way we should be thinking. Don't misconstrue what Paul is saying here. For the younger people here today, that means, baby, don't get it twisted. When you read this. He knows full well his salvation is secure. He knows there is coming a day. Hallelujah. When the son of God is going to return. In a twinkling, in a blink of an eye. And we shall be like him. Amen. We're going to take off this, this mortality and put on immortality. We're going to. We're going to enter in to what God has for us, the fullness of it. We're going to be like Christ. But Paul is saying, don't wait for it. Press toward it. You're in a race. You keep running. You lean forward and you dig in and you keep going. Press toward Christ's likeness being conformed in you. Run that race with all that is within you. Don't pull up. Don't look for reasons to to take a break and to stop running. Purpose in your heart, purpose in your mind that I will not stop. I will not slow down until I have crossed the finish line. Paul decided, I'm going to be an active participant in Christ being conformed into me day by day. I'm going to crucify the flesh. I'm not going to give in to it. Amen? I consider myself dead to that mess. I'm not going to let the mess that is, that, that, that is behind me compete with Christ for the affection of my heart. I'm not going to let it happen. I've got a race to run. I'm not going to flirt. I'm not going to play the field. I got one love. <laughs> and his name is Christ. Sweetheart. Now she's stepping out in faith here. For, all who, for those of you who don't know, this is my darling wife, Christy. And she's agreed to uh, to help me here today. But I talk, I'm talking to you today about embracing Christ, fully embracing Christ. You know, and as my wife, you know, now she's just, she, she's embracing me. All right. Now, that's half of the circle. All right. That, 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 that's one person embracing. She's like Christ embracing us. He went all in on the cross, didn't he? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And you know what it's up to us to do? To embrace him back. To complete that circle. You know, embrace. There's affection in embrace. 
There's love and embrace. There's trust. Mutual trust. Mutual respect. Amen? There is an element. There is a, I am in this thing for the long haul. I am all in, baby. Amen? You know, uh, she brought her past. Her, you know, we, we were meeting face to face. We met face to face. And we committed to each other for life. She was on her journey. I was on mine. She had her past. I had mine. But when we embraced, we cut the string. Amen? All that stuff that once held us tied and once held us bound, that stuff is dead to us. Because it's all about us. Amen? Together, in this embrace, we're going to do all that God has for us to do. Amen? Amen. I know that that, is a, that, that message isn't always manifested in America when divorce is so rampant and, and relationship can just be tossed away like yesterday's trash. Thank you, sweetheart. Like yesterday's trash. But, but, but what God has joined together, let no man separate. Amen? Jesus went all in. He, he embraced us, you know, uh, everything about us, you know, uh, our weaknesses, our frailties, our, our faults. He embraced it all. You know, we didn't have to measure up. Amen? Everything we hide from each other, because uh, we, we are all hiding stuff. Everything we hide from each other, he knows it all. And ain't that awesome that he loves us unconditionally anyway? Amen? Now, he doesn't want those things to be hang-ups. He doesn't want those things to be weights that weight us down so so it will hinder us in our walk to getting where he wants us to go. So we're going to have to embrace him. And we're going to have to shuck that stuff off. We're going to have to embrace him, and we're going to have to cut some strings. We're going to have to embrace him and walk with him where he's called us to be. The Israelites' place of promise was Canaan. Now, it was a physical place. It was a literal place. You know, our salvation is secure one day. We're going to be in heaven, and we're going to be with our master. Hallelujah. And we're going to be like him. But I want you to press into what God has for you right here, right now, with the days that you have left on this earth. Fully embrace him. Be like Paul. You know, he said, I count it all crap. I see the minister says crap on the pulpit. I count it all crap. Everything that defined me, everything that meant something to me, everything that made me feel good about myself, everything that made me puff out my chest, everything that scarred me, everything that, 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 that makes me timid and shy and afraid to do the things that God is calling me to do, I'm cutting the string because I cannot let it stop me from fully embracing 
who God is and what he has for me. Can you do that this morning? Because I believe the Lord has called us all to do that very thing. That's what God had for me to give you today. God has embraced you. He wants you to embrace him back. He wants you to cut your fears. He wants you to cut the hold that your past failures have had on you. For all these many years. He wants you to. Cut ties. With whatever is burdening your soul. And preventing you from going all in with him. You know he can be trusted. (laughs) Would you stand? I just, uh, you know, I just told the Lord that I, I didn't have a preconceived notion of, of how this thing was going to end.